Welcome to the Ramps on the Moon podcast. I'm Michelle Taylor, Director for Change, and this is my opportunity with my guests to open up the conversation about disability equality in the arts and cultural industries and talk through what needs to happen. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Sarah Holmes, a founding member of the Ramps on the Moon Consortium. We're going to be exploring what Ramps is, what we do, how we go about it, the things we're excited about and proud of in the Ramps on the Moon journey. And we'll also be giving you an idea of some of the other things that we'll be talking about in this podcast in later episodes. Sarah Holmes. Hello there, Michelle Taylor. How lovely to have you in the studio. I've always wanted to say that. In the studio. Here we are in the studio. And what a studio. I know. They are really hot, these people, aren't they? Aren't they just? Sarah Holmes, we're here to introduce Ramps on the Moon. One of my favourite things in the world. Yeah, mine too. Mine too, for all sorts of reasons. So where do we start? Ramps on the Moon started, it was a twinkle in your eye long before you and I met, wasn't it? Yes, although it was preceded by that um, Esme Fairbairn funded project that we'd started at the Woolsey. Oh, tell me about that. Well, we'd got a bit stuck in wondering why young disabled kids were not joining our youth theatres and all sorts of different programmes we put together and and actually realised that we just needed, we weren't attractive. We needed to change ourselves to be much more interesting uh, and and accessible. Uh, this is going to this is rambling a bit here. Ramble away, please. But I think we met because I wanted you to be the evaluator for that project. That was a Thrippany Opera. Yeah, I think we first met when you were looking for an evaluator for the Thrippany Opera. Yeah, which was part of that Esme project. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was the okay. Esme project. So we met because we definitely needed to evaluate cleverly and learn from what we were doing. And we had been doing for a bit without really taking much account of how we were going to pick ourselves up and shake things around a bit after we had done that. So yes, it was trying to find somebody to work with us to learn from what we were doing. And that's exactly my memory, that it was it was about you were doing something quite instinctive that yes. you were very passionate about, that you knew was the right thing to do, that you knew you wanted to jump into completely, 100%, wholeheartedly, but you wanted to be sure that that became strategic, that the learning was kind of formalised and codified so that you could carry on doing it and do it even better. Yes, because it was but it was becoming something that you and I then talked about of changing the world. Yeah. That there we were as a mainstream organisation pulling in other mainstream theatres to work with us to create something which was more inclusive and actually much more artistically exciting. And it wasn't something that could just be that's that's it, that's a project been and gone and done it. It needed to at that point was there really, really is a massive job to do here and it's an exciting job, but we're not going to be able to do it unless we really investigate what we've done and uh, change practice and, and uh, yeah, stick a few rules around it, actually. So I, my memory of that meeting, because you and I met, we'd never met before. We met at the cafe in St Pancras. I came down from Nottingham. You were very fierce and, <laughs> and uh, I was quite frightened, yes. <laughs> Well, I thought you were quite fierce and I was quite frightened of you as well. And here we are, eight years later. Um, yeah, and you still scare me. <laughs> um, uh, so <laughs> thinking about that meeting, I remember being really impacted 
by your ambition and your vision and your uncompromising vision. And I also remember being really impacted by the fact that I think that was the first time I'd been approached from a mainstream by a mainstream organization that didn't want to contract me or employ me just to tick a box, but that wanted to work with me to make this meaningful change. True. That really, really was it. I mean, I've, and I've still, I'm quite skeptical about evaluation because I think it can often be something that, uh, you know, you have to do. Mm. And there's sort of formula of how you might go about doing that. Mm. And you do all of that and then you put it on a shelf and you don't necessarily uh, help it, let it change your practice. Yeah. And I, and that's really interesting because I'm a big fan of evaluation. And actually, I'm going to be picking this up in, a, in an episode later on because we're going to be talking about evaluation and telling the story of the change and the impact. So that will be really interesting. I want to bring us right back um, to, to concrete, um, the concrete vision of what you wanted from Ramps on the Moon. What, what was it that, that you wanted to achieve through this initiative that became Ramps on the Moon? What was your ambition? To, uh, have the joy of creating a different type of work, a different type of performance that was more inclusive. The beginning of it was that thrifting opera production, without a doubt. I mean, there was lots and lots of stuff around that, but but the the um, very big visual thing was a very very exciting production, which added into the mix of creativity, working uh, with a company that were very diverse, and it made it just a, a, a much more joyous and, 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 and entertaining and watchable piece of work. So tell us a bit more about that production. Who, who made that show? And what were some of the, the criteria, the parameters that you put around that show? The show was uh, made by the New Wolsey Theatre, but um, it was directed, it was co-directed um, by Pete Rowe, the artistic director of the New Wolsey, and Jenny Seeley, the director of Grey Eye. Um, and it was a co-production with three or four other theatres, um, which it really, to start with, it was a, a purely a financial, the only way we can do this is if we get more partners in there, became much more than that quite quickly because they too were getting excited about the artistic being of it. Um, its rules were at least 50% of the company to be disabled. And no criteria of what sort of disability, not 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 any kind of um and 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 for it not and for it to be normal that that's that that that, that was that mixed cast. So there was no sort of chat in the program of and this person's got this disability or this person it, they are just shit hot performers who are telling the story of the Thripney Opera. And that it was also accessible to an audience a bigger audience being more with with those bits of accessibility being integrated and embedded into the production, which is something that Grey Eye had been doing um, quite a lot. And we were building on that together to make it uh, very much a mainstream piece of work, mm. playing on mainstream main stages 
And um, yeah, I think that's probably all its criteria was. We we didn't know so much at that point. It was quite extraordinary. We, I think it had a three-week rehearsal period and a massive piece of work. Um, it was really quite naive in what we could achieve and quite gung-ho. Um, I think we were, we, we probably pushed and ran rush, roughshod over quite a lot of people just to, to get it there. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think we've, we've come a long way from the, that, that, that early production. And I want to come back to that in a minute about how far, how far we've come since that production. I remember very clearly as, as somebody in the position of evaluating that, that tour and that whole process, because it wasn't an artistic evaluation of the show. It was an evaluation of the process and the learning. Yeah. Um, and I remember being very struck by, the the really close interrelation between the artistic product and the audience and the learning within those co-producing partners and it's those are the seeds for me those along along with the storytelling and how what a what a richness and what an exciting dimension to storytelling arrives when you start casting disabled and deaf people mm. to perform in the show, when you start employing and contracting disabled and deaf people to be the creatives, to be the people backstage and the, the lighting designers and the sound designers and, and in all of those really key roles. And so it was, it was those, those factors that for me are the things that, that you picked up in Ramps on the Moon and then, then I joyously was privileged to become a part of that have developed over the last seven years. So what for you are the the key the key elements of what Ramps on the Moon is now? If somebody's listening to this podcast, they've got no idea what Ramps on the Moon is, how would you tell them in two short sentences? What what is Ramps on the Moon? Storytelling is is the key. It it, it is a an approach to talk, to storytelling which is not traditional. In that it it's got a a bigger element of experience and personnel and 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 being who are making that creative production, and it is. I think that go back to the storytelling thing. It's a, it's also about that the best storytelling is when the audience can see themselves on the stage, portrayed on the stage, mm. and. There was not a lot of product, particularly in the mainstream, that was was achieving that, was mm. actually having a type of actor on the stage that somebody could identify with. And mm. so let's just talk about an obvious one, like somebody who who who, who might be deaf. Um, very rarely would see a deaf actor not pretending to be not deaf. Mm. Um, so I think that it was that element of it as well knowing that that and it, it, the very essence of it came from the very start of it came from young disabled people and realizing that they were so squashed and 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 pushed downwards in their ambitions that they could never think to be part of the theater industry because they saw no example of anybody else like them in a, 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 in the mainstream yes there was quite a lot of disabled-led work, really good work, um, but it wasn't reaching a, a bigger audience. Mm, so mm. I suppose it's the reach, the reach. Um, yeah, I think that's what I want to say. Mm -hmm. See, that was about 15 million paragraphs. That's okay. 
I didn't expect you just to come up with two sentences. <laughs> and one of the things I remember again from that earliest conversation that we had, the first time that we met, and I th- and I think it's true to say that each of us came away from that meeting about an hour, I think, that we had with each other the first time we met, thinking, I can work with that woman. Uh, more than that, I'm going to be challenged by that woman because I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I might appear to be quite confident, but I actually aren't. And, 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 and I really, and I can talk such nonsense that, <laughs> that I could see that, 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 that wasn't going to be totally just taken as read, that, that you would challenge me and my, my thinking. And, and ergo, my actions. And I love that too, because I think challenge is also something really, really crucial to Ramps on the Moon. So it's about the audience. It's about the artistic product. It's, it's about the storytelling. It's about the vision for changing the world. And, and I know all those conversations that you and I have had. Um, I say all those conversations, but it's probably variations of one conversation, isn't it? Let's be honest, over the last eight years. Are you getting bored with it? (laughs) Never, never, ever. But we talk, we sit and we talk about changing the world. And I was going to say, I don't want to talk for you, but I'm about to talk for you that I think both of us passionately believe in the power of theatre and the value of theatre for its own sake, but equally in the value and the power of theatre for what it reflects back to society. So we've always talked about ramps as being about changing the world. Yes, and making it available to uh, uh, the ordinary person. Mm. There's an awful lot of theatre that I find um, intimidated, intimidating. That mm. that I don't I don't necessarily belong to that that story. And and then then you can pull it out to loads of other people as well. And so mm. to make work that is that is genuinely um, for the general public, as opposed to a uh, uh, an educated, knowledgeable theatre officiados. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, and and we always as well used the word normalize, that we wanted to normalize mm. the presence and the visibility of disabled and deaf people in mainstream theater. And for me, that's that's always been about, as a disabled person myself, I mean, you talk about not seeing, disabled people not seeing themselves on stage. And I remember, and I'm somebody who's who's gone to the theater a lot in my 60 years of being on this planet. And I remember not all of that, all that long ago, actually going to production at my local uh, theatre, Nottingham Playhouse. And it was the madness of King George. Mm. And it was just before the interval when I suddenly turned to the person next to me, who I was with, they weren't a complete stranger. I turned (laughs) to the person next to me and said, oh my goodness, that person, that, that person on stage is disabled. And it, took me aback how significant the impact was of that on me. But I'd been talking about this for years, but suddenly I was actually feeling it, really feeling it, as though it was the first time. And so that's really significant for me. But that's that- a clever, clever production. Oh, yeah, it was. For you yeah. who actually understands, um, knows disability inside out from lived experience, can actually sit there and watch something and not realise mm. that that's what it was. Mm. It happened to me when I watched a, a children's show recently about a, a, a super grand, grandmother. 
And I sat through the whole thing and thought, what an amazing woman this grandmother was. Oh, oh, I'm a grandmother. <laughs> that kind of, it, it just normalizes. Yeah. And, and, and then what becomes interesting is that I know I've been saying for the last probably 12 months or so. So, so we're, we're, we're coming up to seven and a bit years of, of ramps on the moon of the Arts Council funding that we've, we've had. And I know that for the last 12 months or so, I've been, I've been just moving away from this word normalize mm. because I don't think it's aspirational enough anymore. Mm. Seven years ago, it was really aspirational. And I don't think it is anymore that I, I think, of course, there will always still be audience members who, who don't expect to see disabled or deaf people on stage or neurodivergent people on stage. But I think we've come, we've come so far. There's still a long way to go, but I think we've come so far that we don't need to talk about normalizing anymore. We can talk about elevating and celebrating the talent of disabled and deaf people. I completely agree with you. I think it, it is normal now, um, not in the whole of theatre, mm. of course it's not, but there's enough uh, for it to be normal, to mm. see somebody um, or to be watching a production and there is an element of of of, of uh, some sort of disability mm. somewhere and not and not it be, be a thing mm. it's not a, a, a noticeable action in there it's just part of but actually those that talent is still being ignored mm. and or worse uh employed but not given the environment in which they can do their best work mm. because of the the ablest society or the the the, the, the um, ethos of an organization that has all sorts of barriers up that they don't even realize they've got and that's the key isn't it that's the key that it's 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 more than just saying yeah we'll cast disabled people we'll employ disabled people we'll contract disabled people it's 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 about We'll do that, and we'll make sure that they can actually function and achieve and and do the kind of outstanding work that we need them to do, and that we're employing them for because we see talent in them. And that has a massive impact on every aspect of an organisation mm. because it then becomes normalised or or expected or or other bits of the organisation seeing the barriers that that they've got in, mm. in place that it, that doesn't make it easy mm. for somebody to do their best work as a technician or as, a, as mm. somebody in the marketing team or, or somebody um, in the catering team, that, that there are – it becomes institutionally expected. Yeah. And, and, and you know about that because you were chief exec at New Orsi until very recently – yeah. So you know about that that kind of organizational change. And again, it's something we're gonna we're gonna pick up on in a in a later episode. So that's that will be really interesting to to really start to interrogate what it is that creates that institutional kind of culture around anti ableism and disability equality, which we're also gonna talk about in a later episode. So oh there's so much richness coming up. I want to ask you, Sarah, Sarah Holmes. You, you've been such, you continue to be such an important driver and person for Ramps on the Moon. What are you proudest of? Hmm. Um, 
that I'm probably, I suspect it's probably the amount of people it's impacted. Mm. And it's, it's a pretty grim world at the moment. I mean, this country's in some terrible place. Uh, and it's pretty fantastic when you see somebody have a kind of a light bulb moment of, of, of joy or, or challenge or, or, uh, interest, mm. um, and something that they can grasp and run with without it having a whole heap of negatives, wise knots and hows and how it's not going to go. And I think that that's, if you can keep that spirit going, because change, if you look at all the reasons and, and all the things in the way of, 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 of making change, you, you could you could stop easily. You wouldn't get out from under the duvet. But if you look at it as just a, a, as an exciting challenge and an, and, and, and an essential, it lightens one. It lightens one. <laughs> makes you feel lighter. Mm. No, instead of all those, that stuff on your shoulders mm. pulling you down, mm. it makes you have a little bit of a moment. Mm. And what's the most exciting thing you've seen on stage as part of the ramps journey? Well, I'm always going to think about the ones I've been closest involved in, and that mm. was the Thrifty Opera and Tommy. Mm. Um, and both of them in different ways um, had many, many moments within the productions of pure joy. Mm. And here we are, as I say, seven and a bit years into Ramps on the Moon. Is is this where you thought we would be as an industry? Is this where you thought you would be as an individual? Is this where you thought the new Woolsey would be? What has taken you by surprise? Michelle, you are talking to a woman who does not have um, much thought beyond today about what tomorrow is going to be. Or So I don't think I would have had this is what I anticipated to be. Mm. Because I do have this kind of ridiculous method of working where or being that I really don't have an aspiration I'm going to achieve this or this is going to look like this. Mm. And is that wonderful interview question, what does success look like or what, what, where do you want to be in five years' time? I've never been good at, at, at answering those questions. So do you think we've changed the world? Yes. I think there's a heck of a lot more of the world that, that, that it changed the world. Yes, we are changing the world. We haven't changed it. You never change it totally, but we are changing the world. Thank you for listening. You can contact me through the link in the show notes or through our website, rampsonthemoon.co.uk. Ramps on the Moon is funded by Arts Council England and is made up of six mainstream theatres, Birmingham Rep, Leeds Playhouse, Nottingham Playhouse, the New Woolsey Theatre in Ipswich, Sheffield Theatres and Theatre Royal Stratford East and our associates, Wiltshire Creative and the Regional Theatre Young Director Scheme. This podcast is the copyright of Ramps on the Moon. Ramps on the Moon cannot be held responsible for any mistakes or omissions. This podcast is made for entertainment purposes and finally, we'd like to thank our friends at podtalk.co.uk for producing this podcast. Hey!